Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Well, today we're in for such a treat. Today's guest is Amy Hardison. And before I introduce Amy, I just want to say how grateful I am because this is the second time that we are doing this episode And for some reason, the first time we recorded, there was only one voice that was recorded. And when I listened to it, it was almost like to my horror, I thought, oh my goodness, this is, uh, it didn't record properly. And I had to, I was embarrassed and I had to ask Amy if she'd be willing to do the recording again. And she answered so gracefully. She said, I love that we got to have a dress rehearsal and I'm so happy to redo our interview. As you know from our book, I'm a fan of do-overs. And that's just so beautiful to see how graceful Amy is and what a joy, what a privilege, and what what an honor to be able to have this conversation again. And we've decided to give it a a special intention and focus. And so what we're going to be exploring today is the topic of love and relationships from an understanding of being. So Amy Hardison, welcome to today's episode. It is a pleasure to have you with me today. Thank you, Philip. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. Wonderful. So, oh, wow, Amy, I want to just start with um, this beautiful book, The Ultimate Coach, which you've written And one of the first things that occurs to me is you and Steve have been married for 44 years. On January the 23rd, 1977, you met for the first time. Three months later, Steve asked to marry you. I just want to start there and start in that moment that Steve actually asked to marry you. Would you be willing to share more about that and what happened that day? You know, it sounds fast. It was fast, but it was faster than that because, I mean, we first met. um, It talks about in the book and we had a date and it was just like it was okay. But then like by day two or day three, it's like this is the person I wanted to marry, the kind of person I wanted to marry. And each of us kind of had that checklist of, you know, who would be the one? And as we spent time together, we just started clicking the boxes. And I can remember later, both of us sharing the kind of panic fear of thinking, oh my goodness, this is the person. Steve's having his own experience. I'm having, but I'm only 17. I'm in high school. I'm not even out of high school at this time. It was not the time I wanted to fall in love with someone. And yet being with Steve as an experience and I, I have said this many, many times, and I, I say that it, I say it as it is still occurring and it's still true. 
to be loved by Steve is the most incredible privilege in the world. He has such big emotions, such deep feelings that when I am on the receiving side of that kind of love, it's just like, wow. You know, it, it's just, it's the stuff of dreams, you know, the stuff that girls dream of anyway. And so just being with him, it was the experience of just absolutely being adored. And Steve has maintained that for 44 years. He loves and adores me with his whole heart. And knowing that and experiencing that gives me such security as we go through life together. And bluntly, as we get older, you know, and we look and we see the wrinkles and, you know, we see the effects of, of age and I have no question that he won't be there with me, for me, with as much love and passion and adoration as he always has. Like, he's not going to throw me out and get a younger model. You know, it's like we have built this life together and we are able to cherish that we've gone through the trenches and we've gone through hard things and wonderful things and we've raised children together. We've worked through problems together. We've been through hard experiences like people we love passing away. And, you know, it's like each of those experiences, it makes our own unique history. Like just even say something happened to Steve or to me, and we've talked about it. It's like, you, you don't just slide another person in there. It's, this is our life and it's a creation. And the more you, the more time you have gone in, it just becomes more and more uniquely yours. And you share things, you laugh about things, you have this wonderful history of things you've gone through, things you've enjoyed together, experiences, travels, all of that. So it's like, it's uniquely you. So it has been such a privilege to be loved by Steve and to build a life together with him. Wow, what a, what a beautiful way to start. And the thing that's occurring to me is you say it's a creation and your life has been a creation together for, for all this time. And what I'm curious about is how are you creating Steve? How is Steve creating you? And could you say a little bit more around relationships from the perspective of creating so I, I would love to, and I think that Steve and I probably have a slightly different approach. And so I think the very first thing is we had talked about talking about love and relationships. So I think when you look at love, it's important to realize what does that look like to you? Because it may look different to me than it looks like to Steve. So for me, I've thought about it. And love is kindness. Love is patience. Love is serving the other person. Love is taking your agenda and putting it aside for the things that are important to the person you're in relationship with. Love is being spending time. Steve has those things too, but he also has like, love is commitment to, this is in terms of coaching, but it's like, Love is a commitment to help someone get what they really want. And that includes being straight and being able to get their obstacles out of their way so they can see 
who they are being that stops them from what they are wanting to achieve. And so for him, if he gets loud, if he's yelling, if he's, if he's intense, that's all a reflection of his love. So I think it's an interesting thing to realize love shows up differently. And I, I think also Steve grew up with in a broken home. His, his mother was a single mother. They were divorced when he was five, very young. I grew up in a really functional, loving home. And those experiences created a different way to see love. And I felt like in some ways, Steve was left to create what a relationship was going to look like out of his imagination. So some of the things I felt mm. were wildly impractical. You know, they, they like were all his version of, of fairy tales. You know, just like being with each other constantly 24-7. And I absolutely love and adore Steve and I love my time, but it's like, oh, I need some of my own time too, you know? And I think that was a shock for Steve. And that's just kind of the differences of us. But, and I've said this before, but Steve would just tuck me in his pocket and carry me with him all day long. He would like, <laughs> if we sit down to read by each other, that means I'm reading and Steve is doing interactive reading, which means he stops me about every three or four minutes to tell me what he's read. So I'm like, no, no, that doesn't work for me. And sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't. But so there's just, he had some very high expectations of like always being together. And I think reality is you're together. If you're together all the time, there's nothing to share. Like you, you go out and you experience life and what you do and you come back and you share about it and talk about it. So there's always adjustments of what you bring in, you know, and I, came from this functional family where my parents never argued and they, they were just very loving. I didn't expect, you know, some of the fireworks that we've had in our marriage. So my perspective and my fairy tale perspective of that was wildly unrealistic. So I think as you go through life and you go through relationships, you have to recreate. You, be, you kind of come in with this idea of what it's going to be like. And maybe all of us to some degree come in with something that's not realistic. And so then you're like, okay, that's not what goes on in this relationship or that doesn't work for my spouse or my partner. It's like, okay, so how do we recreate what works for us? And so that is one form of the creation is constantly molding and shaping it and people don't always stay the same through life you know I'd say in in many ways Steve's not the same as he was at 22 I think maybe I've been a little more consistent but it's like you have to adjust to how people change with life and experience and especially in the 20s I think there's still a lot of development of who am I so you adjust to that and you create that and and in all of these creations, sometimes you're like, well, I thought it was going to be like this. I wanted it to be like this, but those aren't the cards I'm dealing with. So you create a new. And so that's always an aspect of creating. And then creating your document and your I am statements is, is a very powerful way of creating. And all of those are kind of going on. So I, I think that... When you 
when we start talking about love and creation and a way of being and a state of being, there's sometimes it's really easy to get really philosophical about a way of being. And I think that love in reality, love in relationships is very practical and it's very real. It's, it's not like, you're not gonna find out how to live in relationships by going up and being a monk in a cave. Like you learn how to do relationships in the hard work of living together. Right. And as part of the reason why relationships are so difficult, it's like you really don't care what the neighbor down the street, you don't care if he squeezes his toothpaste in the middle or if he rolls it up from the bottom. It's like, who cares? I don't share toothpaste with the guy. But it, in your home, in your relationships, you are thrown into you're constantly bumping into your way of doing, your way yeah. of being, your way of thinking what's the right way, and someone who comes from a background that may be totally opposite. And then you have the difference of a man versus a woman and the different ways we see the life. So you're just, you're always thrown into ways that you are bumping into each other. And it's, it's hard work. And I have a quote that's one of my favorites. It comes from Carl Barth. And he says, if to, love, if to love includes bearing one's neighbor, then love is just not an emotion or an ideal. The sometimes challenging personalities and the difficulties encountered when trying to live in love and harmony actually become the field and material of love. Love is not a disposition of the soul, which can be perfect in itself without being given and shaped in ever new concrete encounters. It is always specific always costly and always a miraculous event. And I think the idea that, you know, sometimes we think about love and, you know, you think hearts and these wonderful mm -hmm. times together and it's like, right. uh, it's also costly. It's gritty. It's hard work. And it's the hard work of getting your own ego out of the way. So it's like mm -hmm. the reality of it is it's like, it gets right down to, you know, the rubber meets the road in creating relationships. So it, would you say love is sacrifice? I think it has to include sacrifice. Yeah, say more, say more about that. What are the sacrifices that you see that is inclusive of love? Well, I think that we come into, we come into relationships thinking I have the right way to do stuff. I think it's just human nature, like right. the way I see the world is the right way and the way we do this thing is the right way. The way we solve problems yeah. is the right way. And that's why I said, once you're in a relationship, you have someone else who has a totally different right way of how to do it. So you're yes. constantly having to set that aside, whether you want to call it your ego or be right. And I think that's one of the biggest sacrifices, like whether you go, um, to a party that one person wants to go to and another person doesn't or a business function or whatever. It's like, well, that's the easy stuff. Yeah. Sacrificing your time or sacrificing mm -hmm. which television show you want to watch or sacrificing, you know, just things. It's like piece of cake. Yeah, of course. This well, big, your sacrifice of, of your ego. 
that is the big sacrifice. I, I, I love the realness that you're bringing to this conversation, that it's, you know, it's beyond just hearts and easiness, that there is definitely hard work. And I also feel that I see things a little differently. So I, I want to, I'd love to hear what you think of, of this perspective, but I feel that it's hard work when we are attached to being right. The hardest work we do is holding on to our identity and our opinions of ourselves and what we think is right. I've spent, and, and I can tell you how this has really shifted through, through reading your book. And I mean, I say your book, it's, it's the book of being, um, which you, you've authored, but I, I want to say how that has shifted my relationship in a way that has been so, so profound. And I have can so relate to what you talk about that sacrifice. And when, um, when I started reading the ultimate coach, I was, uh, in a business with my wife and we were creating online cooking experiences. And I can tell you a lot of the, what we did involved us two being in the kitchen. Now my background is sort of professional cooking and Christina's background, my wife is really health and boy, is it, is there a huge difference in how we cook and how we approach the kitchen? I come from a profession where there is a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. So every single thing that I'm looking through when I am from that place, it's through my belief that I know better. Now, for my wife, it makes it impossible. And for me, it makes it actually really tough to be in just in the kitchen with her. And what I got to see and is, is something, something that just uh, on page 250, when there's something about self-forgiveness, and it's such, it was such a simple sentence, and it really hit me. It says, for instance, if you drop something and break it yourself, you might say, you are so clumsy. Or it might say, accidents happen, I'll just clean it up. Now, when I read that, I got to see how I was so attached to having my wife do things the right way the way I thought was the right way. And the more I was able to loosen up on my attachment to her doing things my way, the easier and more beautiful and less of a sacrifice it felt. And it started to feel easy, not like hard work. I was actually able to be in the kitchen with my wife. And when I would get triggered and frustrated, I would just come back to to this document. So we, when you talk about document, for me, the one thing I wrote in my document that I just needed a, a couple of weeks just to live that one thing, which was I deeply and unconditionally love my wife, Christina, who I admire, acknowledge, and fully accept all parts of her, especially the parts I wish I could change. Oh, I love that. That's really powerful. Living into that document. Yeah. yeah. What are you hearing? I'm just saying the application of it. I mean, we take these statements and we express them with such power and beauty and you get into a situation and they, they come back to you, you know, in that moment, but you still 
have the work to do to do it. You still have to say, oh, I was just triggered. I'm going to let that go. That's right. And, and, and there's a thing we joke about. And um, I don't say I'm triggered anymore. I just say, oh, babe, I'm sorry. I forgot who I am. And we just laugh about it. Oh, did you forget who you are? Yeah, I forgot who I am. I thought I was ego. I thought I was my identity. And so I thought I am the one being triggered. And so it's just this kind of playful way that we approach it. It's like, oh, I forgot who I am. And it allows me to remember, it allows me come back to come back to love. And, and what this has done is it's just showed me that when I remember, and when I mean by when I remember, I remember that who I am in my essence is love. Yeah. These our job and what this what a relationship is giving me and allowing me to see is where am I building barriers that separate me yeah. from the love that I am? And you mentioned being triggered. It's like, you know, we also can set up triggers in a positive way. Like there have been some times that Steve and I have been in a, a discussion, okay. <laughs> one of those heavier discussions, you know, and Steve will look at me and say, I just love you so much, you know, and that's a trigger for love. Or one of the oh, things yeah. we say to each other all the time now is Steve will say like QTR, quality time remaining. I'm 62 and Steve 66. And it's like, we're getting that we're entering the last quarter of our life. And the time that we have together is precious and it's limited. You know, I don't think when I was 25 or 30, I thought life was, the time was limited. You know, it just feels like it's going to go forever in front of you. And at this point we realize every day we have together is a privilege and we don't take it for granted. And so Steve has on his desk, a little, a little, calendar where he can put the, the numbers up and the dates up. And so he has the, the date that he projects that he will live to. And he has a countdown and a count up to mm -hmm. it. But it's a trigger. It's a trigger to say, wow, our, our time is limited. No matter if, even if we get 20 years, you look back and you go 20 years has gone so quickly. So you can also have triggers to bring you back to love. And I, I loved how you expressed it. I, I forgot who I was for a minute. Right. You know, I thought I was ego, but who I am is. And then you go into who you create yourself to be every day. Oh, there's a fierceness in that. Yesterday, I was actually in an argument with my wife. And we, we haven't argued like this in a long time. And it was just, I she was, said something to me and she said, I don't feel that you care. I just don't feel that you care about me. And I, and I just felt in that moment that, gosh, you know, I, I didn't know how to respond. And it was, I was triggered. And my response was, I care about loving you. Mm -hmm. And I said it just like, I care about loving you more than I care about being right, more than I care about you more than I care about agreeing with you. She didn't like that, but it was enough for her to say, you know what, I'm going to take a walk. And mm -hmm. she took a walk and then she came back and she just said, thank you for caring. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And we never had to speak about it again. There's a, a book called Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle Melton. 
I, I loved it. I didn't care for her subsequent books as much, but this book I thought was fascinating. And in it, she said, as she'd gone through some challenging times with her husband, she said, I stopped holding my breath. I decide to take a risk on this family, not because I won't get hurt, but because they are the right people to get hurt by. Mm. And I think if in our relationship, for, for me, one of the things I had to recreate is that it was okay to have upsets. It was okay as long as you work through them, you know, and it was like, there's not a, well, there's very few, like my parents had it. So there's a few relationships that just, they're just really naturally compatible, but it's not, it's not typical. They were naturally compatible and naturally didn't fight, but I think the reality is it's a lot harder work for most of us to blend our two different ways of being. Mm -hmm. And if we just look at that and say, I, not that, man, we had this big upset. If I just married someone else, it would have been so much easier, you know? And it's like, no, if you married someone else, you would just have a different set of problems. You'd still have different things that you had to learn how to come to unity with. And so that was one of my unrealistic expectations of bringing into marriage. So it's a recreation that you can have upsets, you can work through them, and you can be closer and stronger and more bonded together when you finish. That is a creation, and, and it's probably more healthy because it's going to happen for most people. Yeah. And over all this time that you have been, you and Steve have been together, you've evolved together as a couple, as a, as a relationship. And I know that you've also done some work with Byron Katie. Is that something you did together? Um, yes. And I do mention this a little bit in the book. My sister gave me her book, Love, right. Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. Right. And as I was reading, I kept telling Steve, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. And it was kind of mind bending for me and I loved it. It was mind bending mm-hmm. in a good way. And I finished it and gave it to Steve and Steve read it twice. Yeah. And as soon as he finished, he started looking and, and found out that she was going to be here in just like a week. And so I changed my schedule. I ch- dropped everything I had on those. It was a Friday night and Saturday, except Saturday evening. I had something I couldn't change. And we went and sat there together and we were both in awe of what we experienced and Katie is absolutely amazing. And, and I do have to say, like, that's had a huge part in our lives and in our marriage. The Landmark Forum has had a huge, huge mm. impact yeah. in our lives. And the Landmark Forum really helped us distinguish between stories and reality, like what is versus what you created Right. to be by your stories and your interpretation. And what's interesting is when Steve went to the forum, he was like, oh, this is like coming home. This is like, you know, mm. this is about integrity and being your word and, yeah. and doing what you're going to, saying what you're going to do. And it's like getting in people's face to help them. And it just felt so natural to Steve. He just absolutely loved it. And when we went to Byron Katie, it was like, this feels like my heart and my soul. You know, this yeah. For me, yeah. Yeah. So Steve loved Byron Katie's work too, but the forum was his yeah. way of being. 
Byron Katie's way was more my way of being. So we've brought both of those and used those tools in our life. They have been really incredible helps in our marriage and our family. So much so that it's hard to distinguish, Mm -hmm. especially some of the foreign principles, because we did that really early in our marriage. Our youngest one was just like a year old. So maybe 10 years Mm -hmm. into our marriage. And so it's like that became family culture, right? You know, and yeah. and our kids. So would you would you be that. able to would you be able to remember if we're going to go back just to that time and before you started to do the work with Byron Katie? Sort of what what would you say has been the biggest shift in your understanding in your marriage and your understanding of yourself? Well. If we go back to that time, Steve was at a real point of kind of figuring out who he was. Like when I met him in 77, he had come off of his mission. He was tightly packaged of what he thought the right way to live life was. And there were parts of it that he loved and there were parts that didn't resonate, but he, the parts that didn't resonate were stuck down deep, you know, kind of locked up. And so as we went through life, some of that started coming out and he, there was a recreation of who he was. And that recreation had a lot of trauma in it. You know, he started accessing the trauma of his early life. He started recreating the things or not recreating, started bringing forth the things that had caused pain and scars and memories of family that were difficult for him. And so if I go back to that point that you asked about, I go to a point where there was a lot of demolition going on. You know, there was a lot of falling apart. There was a lot of Steve being under incredible amount of pressure as he had just taken everything he was and put it inside into the way he thought he needed to be. And that was trying to break out, to become who he was choosing to be, what Mm -hmm. felt more true to his inner core. But to get out of that, he had to kind of explode this, the way supposed to be way to be, the things that he had said, this is how I'm supposed to live. And it's like, that wasn't all true with him. So Sometimes that came out with family. You know, it was when the kids were young, Steve's trying to figure out his life. We talked about this in the book, the demolition and trying to put all of these pieces back together, which starts by exploding the pieces. And so it was stressful. It was hard. He, you know, he wasn't sure he could do this family thing. And because everything was just another you know, two-ton weight on him. And so this was not just like, oh, here's just this nice Mm -hmm. little walk through the park, you know, the yellow road, get to this easy relationship. It was like, when I say love is gritty, I mean, love is gritty. You know, it's standing there going, I never knew I would have to deal with things this difficult my life had been pretty much just this really loving, secure, easy kind of life. Steve's life had not been. 
So by marrying him, I took on that life. You know, you talk about sacrifice. Yeah. You know, we take on the pain of someone else when we unite in a relationship with it. And you get in the midst of healing that and dealing with it and dealing with the effects of it, even though it's not your pain. That's love. You know, wow. that's what we do for one another. And so, again, it's not just not like, okay, well, I want to go to this restaurant and I want to go to that restaurant. You know, it's like right. that kind of sacrifice, that's the cake, <laughs> the kind of sacrifice where you're like, I am I am dealing with the effects of, of a troubled childhood yeah. as if it were mine because yeah. I am intimately connected and I love and care about this person and it's his trauma and we became partners in dealing with the trauma and loving it. And, and I, one of the things that means a lot to me is Steve will say, thank you for healing me. Mm. And I just felt like being raised in the family that I was raised in, I came with, in terms of, of family life and love of, of being whole and complete, I had the tools to help heal him. But some of those tools were just to love him unconditionally, to let oh, him yeah. know that he was safe in my life and that I would always love him and he could be who he wants to be. And in being who he wants to be, there, there was somewhat of a little, little bit of a divide between some of the values that were important to me. And so it's like, I love you bigger than that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like you, you are constantly saying my love for you is bigger than and you in being in a relationship together it's like you keep filling in that blank and it can change and it can grow and it's just having that commitment to love each other which is different than the commitment to be together wow. you know because people can yeah. limp through marriages for a lot of years but it is well, that well amy i just want to take a moment to just acknowledge the greatness of your heart and how beautiful it's just, it's even healing for me to hear you talk like that. It's healing for me to hear how you're, you talk about using unconditional love as a tool to heal a broken past and, and to just love him um, beyond any of your ideas of, of, of what that even means. And my, just as I was listening to you, my whole heart was expanding and just feeling so, so much love for you and for Steve and, and, and for this way of being committed to love each other, no matter what. And ultimately that's, it's the way you describe it. It's, it's just been so, so graceful and gritty and it hasn't been easy, but thank you for, thank you for being that. Thank you for being that for Steve and for being that for humanity. And that's just so, so beautiful just to be able to hear that. And um, it's also a message of hope for a lot of couples who may be going through that level of, of, of feeling disconnected or dysfunctional. Or this isn't working. And as a, as a simple ingredient, Uncon to unconditionally love and just to be with someone in their full experience of who they are and just love them. And that's what, that's what I'm hearing, Amy. And I just want to thank you for speaking to that. Thank you. I had lunch this week with a dear friend. She had been, I've been a stay at home mom 
as a my career and I've absolutely loved it. But one of the things that I've also done is when my youngest was about eight, I started as a volunteer teacher teaching at the kids that were in college. They weren't college classes, but they were they're like institutes of religion that were connected with college campuses. And so teaching religion classes to college age kids um, a couple times a week. And I just absolutely loved it. And I fell in love with my students and I loved sharing the knowledge. I love being in relationship with them. And it's just, it's my passion. And I think, of course, my passion is, is my family, but I still think as a, as a mother, it's healthy to have something that's just your passion too, that you're not, you know, something that fills the well so you mm-hmm. can continue to give out to everyone else. And, and sh- so we had lunch. Um, she had come to the event that was in January and she said that, you know, I've read the book and I remember back at the Institute and Steve would come and your eyes would light up and he would talk about you. And, and it was just this amazing amount of love. And I would hear you talk about how much you love and adore him and how your heart literally skips a beat when you see him. And, and she went on and described that, you know, it happened not just once, but periodically over oh. time of the time she was in my classes, she said, and then I read this book. And it's like, it, I don't get it. You know, it felt like this disconnect and she was trying to understand it. And I said, they both existed at the same time. Yeah, we were both madly in love with each other and we had really hard times we had to work through. And so I think that that's an important thing is they, they both exist and you, it's, it doesn't negate it. You can't, if you have hard things that you have to work through, it doesn't have to negate that you're madly in love and you can keep creating it. And I think, you know, marriages, they can heal. People have to deal with hard things in marriages. I think of, I can't even remember which was, which it was. One of the Great Lakes got so polluted and it, people are just like having to say that we'll never be able to use that as a source of water. It's just so, so, so polluted. And they stopped the pollution. And within a few years, it was pristine again. You know, and it's like marriages can do that. We can go from being polluted, you know, having pain and having hard things to a place where it's healed. And, you know, it's, there's hope, there's hope and possibility. And I do, I do mention this in the book, but the reason why we were willing to give a realistic view of our path of marriage is because that's more hopeful. That's more helpful. It's both more hopeful and helpful rather than thinking, oh, theirs was easy. I could never have one like theirs because, you know, we have these struggles. It's like, no, we've had struggles too. We've had big struggles and we just are committed to stay passionately in love as we work through them. When When you say we're committed to stay passionately in love, is that something that it's just a something that is just there and or is it does it require work for you to be committed to be passionately in love well let me i'm going to show you this little picture see if you can see it i love this picture it's by james christensen and you know it's a woman it's kind of has a little bit of fantasy in it but it's Mm, like all of the things that she's has that she carries you know just 
huge. And, and you see that it's, it's heavy enough that her foot is just barely above the treetops. You know, she's fine. But the important thing is what's on the back. And, and I, this is just to express to you the work that's evolved, involved in staying committed or staying present to the work that has to be done to be passionately in love. So I, I don't read it every day, but I read it frequently. These are the questions I ask myself. What is the most loving thing I can do or say right now? How quickly can I let this go? Do a turnaround and find something positive regarding this particular thought. Is what I'm doing, saying, or thinking separating us or bringing us closer? Where is my ego in this? This is a quote. There is real power in learning how to agree with others. Find five. Find five things Steve did today that were wonderful and amazing and express that to Steve each night. What are the three ways in which Steve's response is better than my natural response would have been? Why am I doing what I am doing and saying what I'm saying? That's usually like, you know, am I protecting something? Am I defending myself? Am I trying to be right? You know, where is my growth edge? How can I use this experience to practice love? Where am I being right? Think about a situation, replay it, practicing the most enlightened responses possible. Where has my mind gone down the road and made things up? Did I slow down my thinking and responses? What is my part in this? Am I seeing myself without deception? Have I considered Steve's viewpoint? What things would be different if I did? Am I doing the right thing, but am I doing it without love or fully giving of myself? What is the bigger picture? Am I getting caught up in details that don't matter? So that to me is like, it's the kind of work that goes wow. on that keeps the commitment. It's about turning yourself inside out over and over. And if you start to get off on the wrong path, meaning starting to blame or judge or go to war in your own mind it's about coming back to that and, it, and it's like we just started the conversation with it's like you we sometimes forget who we are and so to have that commitment you have to remember this is what I'm committed to and 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 you just also have to be present that your love is bigger than all these things you know, I love what you talked about you did with your wife in the kitchen. It's like, oh, we just, it would be so much easier if we never got off on the wrong foot, but we do. So if we do, the best thing is just how quickly can we get back right. to, to recover? The, yeah. 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 And then, you know, as you were reading all of those things, I was really reflecting on how that would be, you know, the foundation of family communication family conflict and how how much there could be so much more ease and if if people could live through those questions as a family and i know that family is very at the heart of of who of what's important to you amy i'd love to hear from you as well just in the context of, of love how, how are these questions playing out through you being a mother and through the relationship that you have with your kids. And let me start with a story that kind of like shares 
shows these questions in, in action, I guess. But my mom sometimes, my mom was an amazing, amazing person. So incredible and full of love and always serving and giving and organized. I mean, you know, just by example, she taught us how to run a home and, and keep it clean. And just, you know, it's like creating this foundation for life to, and love to thrive. And she was amazing at all that and always there. She always stayed like really trim throughout her whole life. And that was one of the things she was kind of proud of. She really liked it. And she worked hard on it too. Like she exercised and even at like 80 years old, she was climbing Camelback Mountain here, which is mm. amazing. But I remember her telling the story that when they had this big firm party out at a, a little kind of retreat kind of city that was like, I don't know, 45 minutes away from Phoenix or so. She, she would say, my dad, Kent, Kent would say, if I could fit into this dress, I would go, we could go to the party. And she would say that. And, and one time I said, dad, that doesn't sound like you. That doesn't sound anything like you. And his eyes, he got this twinkle in his eyes. And he said, well, it's not the way I remember it, but she gets such a kick out of telling it that I just let her. And I remember thinking, if Steve was telling a story that made me look bad, I wouldn't let him just tell it because he enjoyed it. And so I did kind of grow up in this home yeah. where my dad was incredible at not fighting. Like he just didn't have the ego. He, yeah. he, he chose um, keeping a relationship close versus being right. And when I saw the cost of that, I thought, oh, I'm not that good. I, I haven't mastered that as well as he has, but it starts to, to show the kind of stuff. I think when you're interacting in a family that if where you're coming from, then I'm just speaking out of, I haven't thought through this, but for me, you're coming from what's effective, not what's right. Like, um, so for me, it's like, when I'm, I'm trying to listen with love. I'm trying to be, empathetic I'm trying to get what's going on versus being right about it you know or telling them the way they should handle it or you know it's just to me being positive and loving as much as possible in and it's, it's very very slippery as well because I can catch myself at times doing exactly that I'm trying to listen with love I'm trying to listen with understanding and I even think that I'm being loving and I'm listening from love. And it's just so slippery. It's just the ego creating this identity that I am being loving. But actually, all I'm doing is creating a kind of self-manipulated idea that I'm being loving. And that's also, it's just when you when you when I hear you talk that, I just see how that can also be a trap and it's a trap that I can fall into. Whew. And, and it's, it's really, really just coming back to what is effective and what is effective is not trying to be loving or trying to listen, but looking at who am I being and really kind of going be, before behind the doing, am I behind the doing of listening Am I being listening? Am I being 
loving? Am I, am I being free of my own opinions and judgment and needing to be right? And I find that has always paid off and always been the most effective way in any relationship situation is when I can have that focus on who am I being. I agree. And I yeah. think, yeah, as I've said, I think it's just human nature to not be that. So that means mm -hmm. that we are constantly having to, you know, it's just constantly can start to creep up. You constantly have to push it down and let the more loving, open, non That's, that's so interesting that you say it's human nature, because in that word, human nature, there's there are two things that occur to me one of them it is in our nature to be loving and the other thing that occurs to me is when we put the word human nature it's like well there is the human piece which is who we identify like that personal ego piece but we put that into play then then there's there's work to to be done but i i'm i'm also just I'm just wondering, Amy, how, how about instead of saying human nature, if we just said it's our nature to be loving, like, does that sound like that's true for you? Um, what's true for me is I think we have a dual nature. In other words, I believe we are children of God. And as a child of God, we are love. And we can just tap into that because that's, that's in our core. Yeah. But I think as a human being, the nature of life is just this, is a person who is egocentric, meaning you, you see life totally from your own perspective. Yeah. And ego, I don't mean evil, and I don't, you know, I don't mean bad, but I do mean natural, like unrefined. We are pulled to just really be egocentric, to be right, to judge and do all those things. And I think the the great journey of life is to to tap into that part that's divine to tap into that part that loves and forgives and has space and have it grow and grow and grow and have the other part recede because i think they're just they're always there and it's so it's like which one are you going to pay attention to which one are you going to nurture mm -hmm. and I just think there's enough evidence in human beings that that we can get pulled down the human path and there's enough there's enough evidence of the magnificent people that are light and love and kindness and you know commitment to helping people and who serve and give that that's like oh yeah that's a part of us too. So it's always a choice. We get to choose which one do we want. Well, what a what a beautiful way to to bring this uh, this conversation to a close. I just think that that brings us the power back to seeing that we have a choice, seeing that we, yeah, and and also that it gets easier. I also want to say I feel like it's to me it feels like as I as I know more that who I am in, in, in that I am love in my nature, I tend to forget that less frequently and for less 
longer amounts of times. But when I do forget it, boy, does it look absolutely real. Yeah. And I just think it's any skill that you work on, you're going to get better at. You know, whether that skill is playing baseball or playing the piano or cooking or whatever. And if you're looking at that as love, that's true, too. And the more you practice being loving, the better you are at being loving. And then you create new neural pathways of responses. When something comes up, you have experiences that you go, wow, I responded loving there. And it was such a great experience. I'm going to do that again. And you you just become better at yeah. being loving. And I think it is one of the most important things we are here to learn in the course of our life is, is how to learn to love. And not just, definitely not just intellectually, but we're to learn to learn that through experience and to have it be as a way of being so that we take it in and it's who we are. You know, we are transformed by the power of love and, and we just become more. And I think the more loving we are, you know, the more we are filled with light and mm-hmm. people sense that, you yeah. know, and I, I think they go together and it's like, that's, that's oh, it. And I, and I see that so much in you. And there's, there's also one thing I, I want to bring up that you mentioned this in our, in our last conversation. And, and I want to just bring that up again, because I think it's such an important distinction when you were talking about Steve and the way that he loves you. And then you just kind of smiled and just with this like cute little giggle, you said to me, he would love anyone. Like, it's not, me like there was like an impersonal nature of the ability to love do you remember saying that yeah absolutely because i started out this conversation saying to be the recipient of steve's love is just such an incredible experience it's like it's it's like niagara falls you know it's like to have someone love you that much it's just absolutely amazing and And that's when I said, but that's how Steve loves. This is more about how Steve loves than who I am. Right. So Steve would love whoever he was with, with that much passion, that Mm -hmm. much depth, that much energy. He just totally is this loving being. And so it's, I think in a way that's kind of like good news. It's like, we are here to learn to love, period, not learn to love has or learn to love with this person it's like there's no caveats you know Mm. there's no conditions it's just we learn to love and you learn to love by what's the people that are there in your world that are around you and it's you could put whoever it is and if if you're truly coming from love it doesn't matter what comes at you because all you see is is just this magnificent person and I know that I'm still working on this. I'm still working on the love thing. I would say that I'm really, really good at being kind. Like it's almost like no matter what comes at me, I will be kind. I'm not sure I cannot be kind. And I am looking forward to when I can be like that about love. Like I will always be love. And I think I probably got a head start on kindness. Like it was just kind of in my DNA. You know, it's like that just who probably genetically from my parents and in our environment. And it's like, 
you know, so whatever it is, that's that, mm-hmm. that best thing we have to offer. It's like, just imagine if that's how we were with love. That's so beautiful. It's just that we can just be that love, as you say, period, be that love unapologetically without yeah. reason, without limit. The words that are coming to me is yeah, to be unlimited, to be lovingly in beyond limits you know like limitless in in our capacity to love and that's really the core message that i felt in listening and reading the book was this is a man who is so loving beyond any beyond beyond limitation loving beyond limitation that's it that's that's the core message that i got from this book and that is the, the thing I'm most inspired to lean into more of myself is, is to be loving beyond limitation. And, I, and yeah. I think that's so beautiful. And that's the message of the book. And it's the message that is being shared. And I see how thousands of people are being impacted. And there's a community on Facebook that is the most loving community that I have ever seen and it's just so beautiful to see the ripple effect that this book is having on the world and how it is becoming, it's, it's touching people's hearts in, in ways that are beyond what I might, probably beyond your wildest imagination. What, what, what do you have to say about that, Amy? Oh, it absolutely is. Meaning it's way beyond what I ever envisioned, but I have to say, I didn't look out and go, okay, what? what will happen with this book? I looked in and thought, what's the story I need to tell? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I will say, whatever I expressed isn't, it still doesn't even come close to who Steve is. Like yeah. he spends all day long loving and serving and trying to help people. And he, 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 from the time he gets up till the time he goes to bed, and then like the four different times he wakes up in the middle of the night, he is love and he is helping people all the time. And so I try to get that across in the book. And if it comes across, it's still not as big as who he is and how he loves. But for me, the book is love. Like it was my gift of love to Steve. And, but I did look inward, you know, and I think it was, easier to write looking inward and think this is a what is the story I need to tell and what is the story I need to tell about our life together and what is the story I need to tell based on the interviews of all these people and their experience because if I had looked forward it would have been too daunting to think what's the story I need to tell that's going to change the world or what's the story I'm going to tell that have will have people um, email me and say this is one of the top three most influential books I've ever read in my life and things that I'm just totally humbled and I I don't know if I could have written from that place it's it's too daunting like I said and so as you share that it's just I don't know if an author could hear anything better than that I mean it oh, just incredible. warms my, yeah. warms my heart. and I I know that it is because Steve has insisted in a wonderful way that this isn't about him. And that's what makes the difference between this is just reading a book that's interesting. It is reading a book and putting yourself in a place of what is my being and what does this open up for me? And, And one of the things that people say a lot that it opens up for 
is it opens them to be authentically them. They don't Beautiful. have to change who yeah. they are to match something else. So that opens up. And, and that lets people become unleashed. Yeah. And, and being authentically them and so yeah so so beautiful this book has had this a profound impact on my life it's completely um shifted when i, I when i found this book i was on a path that i'm not meant to, that i wasn't meant to be on and this book showed me that and it helped me to realign and to drop everything i was doing i stopped the business i was doing with my wife and and i re-fell in love with the magic of coaching but more importantly I re-fell in love with the beauty of who I am in my essence and I got to see the um I became unleashed and it has been an incredible journey and has led me to have so many conversations with other people who've read this book and no book has come close to the kind of impact that the ultimate coach has has been for me and so it's just been such a, a privilege to be able to be in in conversation with you and just to be able to just to share just a moment of appreciation and gratitude to you amy for for taking the time to to devote all this time and energy into writing the book and to alan thompson for all the work that he's put into it and is there anything that you would like to say before we complete our conversation today? Just thank, thank you for sharing that. Like I said, as an author, it's like, it's just, it's beyond words. You know, and you get, you get the oxymoron of that is here I am an author. Yeah. If anything, I should be able to express it in words. And yet how it feels when you express that the book has made this kind of difference is beyond words. It's humbling. It's thrilling. It's exciting. It's jaw dropping. Like really it's amazing. So thank you for sharing that and being a part of sharing it. And thank you for your graciousness and your example of how you live love. It's like, I can feel it as we talk, as I look in your eyes, it's like, you know, I, Everything we've talked about, it's like you could have said the whole conversation just on your experience. I get that you get it, you know, and, and probably far, way farther advanced in this whole process than I am. So I acknowledge you as being a truly enlightened, loving man. And I'm inspired by you. And thank you for your time in, in doing this conversation. Well, I, I receive all of that with so much love. If you could see the love inside me right now, it would blow your mind. But I feel like that's that's just um, so so rich um, and, and just <sighs> so touching. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, Amy Hardison. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach Book, and more. Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes.
We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.